Good morning, everyone. How are you? I'd just like to begin by saying that I'm normally never in here. I'm the high school pastor. My name is Doug. I'm normally over in the fellowship hall with all of our high school students. And it's, it's a wonderful and it's an honor to be here with you all. So thank you. And it's wonderful to hear, be here and hear your worship. It's great. And I'm so excited for this morning. This morning we are talking about something that is near and dear to my soul. We are talking about... The soul. So if you have your journal, open it up to page 18, and it should say something like, simplify your soul. If you've been with us for the last month, we've been covering these awesome, practical, in a lot of ways, easy to understand, but hard to do topics. And for me, it's been life-giving. And today we move on to the real simple, easy to figure out, practical idea of simplifying our souls which at first glance actually seems really confusing and at times kind of vague. So I hope this morning to bring clarity to what souls are and this whole topic of how we can simplify it. And what I want to do at the end of today is give you this idea that it is not enough in our lives just to simplify all the things that we do I would like us to go further and have our simplification be towards a certain goal or end, I guess you could say. That our simplification would be towards the goal of having our soul be connected to God and in the will and in harmony of what he is doing in our lives. That's the goal of this morning. But before we even get started, and as we start to talk about the soul, it's good to start to define what we really mean here. And I'd like, if I can, to give you a popular conception of what the soul even is. If, you, if I say, you have a soul, maybe a lot of different things come to mind. Maybe you think of, you know, like a cartoon. You know when the cartoon dies, and there's like the little... Whatever that is, like ghost or spirit or whatever that kind of raises out of it, you're like, maybe is that the soul? I'm not quite sure. Well, let's let's dig in just briefly into what a soul is. Because I don't know how many of you know this, but I am well-versed in the uh, young person's culture. And I'm out there in the universities a lot. And what the like modern day idea of a soul is, is that is this. You don't have one. You don't have a soul. And by soul, I mean there's nothing that exists over and above and beyond you that carries on through time, that exists after you die. The popular mindset would be that you don't have anything like that. You are just a combination and the sum total of all the parts that make up your physical body. Does that make sense? That the atoms, the skin cells, the bones, the muscles, the blood, the organs, whatever else is in there, your brain, all of that is you. There's nothing beyond it. I'm here this morning to tell you that's wrong. You do have a soul. You do have something that exists over and above and beyond you that when your body dies, it lives on. It's the thing that gives you purpose. It gives you function. But in the universities and in public schools, people do not want to commit to this idea that you are a soul. Because in committing to that, well, what would they have to commit to? Yeah, they have to commit to a lot of things that aren't good, right? Namely, the most important one, one day we all, our bodies all die. Well, what's going on with you? Where do you go? Nobody wants to answer that question. Here in the Christian church and at Calvary Church, we have wonderful answers for that, and we're happy to provide them with those answers, but they don't want to hear them. So we have to, first, first and foremost, address this topic. 
that people say you don't have a soul. Let me show you a video. <clears throat> this video is from a popular TV show, and it's going to show you what most people think about the soul and about human beings. It's from a TV show called The Walking Dead. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's about zombies. Don't worry, there's no zombies in this clip. It's a clip where they go to a scientist, and he's explaining how the human mind works, right? How the human brain works. And how there's a bunch of little firings and electronic things going on there. And when those go away, well, you're going to see what happens. Check out this video. What are those lights? It's a person's life. Experiences, memories. It's everything. Somewhere in all that organic wiring, all those ripples of light, is you. The thing that makes you unique and human. Those are synapses, electric impulses in the brain that carry all the messages. They determine everything a person says, does, or thinks from the moment of birth to the moment of death. The adrenal glands hemorrhage, the brain goes into shutdown, then the major organs. Everything you ever were or ever will be at first glance we're like is that right <laughs> no it's wrong <laughs> because what he's saying is that somewhere in all those synapses somewhere in your physical brain is you that somehow in there your memories exist somehow in there in the physical makeup that's you this is not what jesus preached and this is not philosophically, in my opinion, true. Because this brings us to our first point that you'll see in your journal. You are a soul. You do not exist in the physicalness. Your soul gives your physicalness purpose, life, function. And we need to pay attention to our souls. Because our physicalness, our body, what we do with our bodies can affect our souls. Our bodies cannot live without our souls, but there is a deep connection to them. And you might think, all right, give me at least one argument for the fact that we have souls. And there's a lot more that we could go into. And this is a subject I love to study. Uh, but let me give you one argument. One thing that would say, you have to think about this, and you can maybe log this into your mind if you ever talk to someone about this. If you are just your body, right? If you are just all the physical stuff that makes up your body, well, you're going to have a hard time explaining how you stay the same over a period of time, and mainly how you stay the same through change. How many of you were children once? Most people, a few guys in the back are, were never children. We were all children, right, at one time. And you look at maybe a, a picture of yourself as a five-year-old and you think, if we took that five-year-old person and how you are now, you would think, these two, they have nothing to do with each other, right? But if you look at a picture of yourself as a five-year-old, what seems right? You want to say that that's, that's me, right? That's me. I look at a picture of myself as a freshman in high school or something, I, it's like, I look and I go, I wish it wasn't me, but that was me, right? That's me. That's Doug. That, that's who I am. It, and someone would say, yeah, but 
all of the physical stuff that you were when you were a kid isn't there anymore. You know how there's like all that science that says you're constantly kind of renewing yourself and your skin, you're losing skin cells and all that kind of stuff. Well, if you're just a combination of everything and the sum total of all your parts, what happens if you lose one? What happens if I get my hand chopped off or my, uh, what's that, the appendix taken out, right? Are you the same person? Because you don't have all of the same stuff that you used to. We want, we want to say, no, 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 no. You're the same person that you were, even though you've gone through change. Well, it's not possible unless you are something more than your body, right? All right, well, there's, there's a lot more. We could spend months, years going into this. Here's my challenge. If this is interesting to you and you're like, I actually would like to get into this a little bit, go to the bookstore, pick up this book. It's called The Soul. It's written by Dr. J.P. Moreland, and it's very confusing. But if you have questions, um, come and talk to me. I'm actually in his class this semester about philosophical anthropology and philosophy of the mind. So we'll just, we'll be nerds together and it'll be great. But I encourage you, if that is, if, Things like that. If those sentences I said are intriguing, pick it up. Well, let's move on. Because that truth, the philosophical truth, is grounded in the truth that we find in the Bible. Open your Bible up to Matthew. Open it up to Matthew 22. Because in Matthew 22, Jesus is going to do something quite amazing. He's going to prove and he's going to show that we are souls. And he's going to do it in an odd way by aligning himself with the Pharisees. What? That doesn't make any sense. He normally is very much so against the actions of the Pharisees, but in the philosophy and the thinking of him, he's actually going to agree with them. Here it says this in Matthew 22, 23. I encourage you to read through this passage later on and really get the full breadth of it, but we're going to pick out a few important parts. It says this, on that day, some Sadducees who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and they questioned him. The Sadducees were a group of of influential people in Israel during the time of Jesus. They said that you are just your body. There's no resurrection. The Pharisees disagreed. The Pharisees said there there is resurrection. We do exist beyond our bodies and and we will be resurrected one day. Well, the Sadducees tried to pinpoint and, and they tried to trick Jesus into agreeing to something that would not make sense in the afterlife, right? And they do it by using this example of marriage. But we're not going to get into that because I'm mostly concerned about what happens in verse 31, what it says this, but regarding the resurrection of the dead, and he's talking to the Sadducees now, he says, regarding the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? And then he's going to quote the Old Testament that says, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Jacob, and, or I am the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why is, the, why is the punctuation there important? Because I think Christ punctuated it like that. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when this was written, what he's quoting, a, a verse very important to the Sadducees, when this was written, who was not alive anymore? Well, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then he says, God says, I am the God of them. And then Christ, just in one word, just blows their world. He says, is he, speaking of God, not the God of God? He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are alive They're alive in God. 
And the Sadducees, they go away completely confused. And the Pharisees are like, wow, he totally, he totally handled that really well, right? What it speaks to is this, that God, uh, Jesus affirms that God is the God of the living, not of the dead. That means when your body dies, you are still alive. You are still alive. You go on. You have a soul. There's other passages in Acts. I encourage you guys to really look into those. And, and as we move forward in talking about the soul, you might ask yourself, okay, well, we want to simplify our souls. Christ affirms that we have souls. There's philosophical reasons for thinking that we have souls, but why is this important? Well, let me give you a brief you know, word picture. Think of the soul like a chest of drawers, right? It's a big chest, has lots of drawers in it, and those drawers are faculties of the soul. It's a little bit technical here, but the soul exists, lots of drawers. The drawers are faculties, and this is going to help make sense if you've ever, if you've ever heard someone say, you're a spirit, and you're also a soul, and you're like, how does that make sense? Well, here's how it makes sense. Your soul is a chest of drawers with drawers, the drawers are faculties, and the faculties would be like your mind. Your mind is a faculty of your soul in that you can reason, you can think, you can uh, read the truth of the scripture. Another faculty of the soul would be your spirit. Your spirit is a faculty of the soul. And you might ask yourself, well, why is that important? Well, because if your spirit is a faculty of the soul, your spirit is the primary way in which you relate to God. It says this in Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. It's incredibly important that we pay attention to our souls and that we simplify our souls because our souls house our spirit and our spirit is how we connect with God. Which brings me to my next point. <clears throat> if our souls are that important and we really should be paying that much attention to them, it's incredibly important, important that we seek to remove the things that impede or block our soul's ability to connect with God because this is oftentimes what's happening. And to do so, I must show you the tree I planted. What do you think? <laughs> Looks like a tree? I mean, it's no fruit yet. Maybe I should just curse this tree. It's got no, it's bearing no fruit. But I have this tree, I planted it this week. I'm praying that it grows. This is, it's a tangerine tree, right? But for this morning, this tangerine tree will be my soul, okay? So don't judge it too much. It's very beautiful. I like it a lot. This is my soul, okay? And we have my soul. It's rooted. It's growing. It's doing wonderful. It's awesome. It's, it's surviving. Here's the problem. Here's what we do. And over the last four weeks, over the last month, we've been talking about this, that oftentimes we start to clutter. We start to bring in chaos into our lives. And here's our soul. It's, 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 it's rooted. It's grounded. It's growing. But we start to bring in all these things, right? Maybe we talk about the Sabbath, right? And finding rest. And here's a rock. And this is my confused Sabbath, right? My chaotic Sabbath. I go, maybe this is true about me. It's not necessarily true about me, but maybe you go or we go weeks without ever taking a break. We're working nonstop. The moment we sit down to just rest and think about our lives, we just bring in chaos, right? And you're like, this won't be too big of a problem. I'll just place this rock right here. Oh, oh boy. And now our soul is it's still there, obviously. It's alive, it's still great, but it's got a lot of pressure. 
It's got a lot there, right? Well, you think, well, okay, maybe we move on to, uh, you know, our relationships, you know, and I feel like I'm doing pretty well with our relationships, but there's obviously lots of problems, right? And I got that there and you're like, okay, but it's still growing. It's still fine. I think, but there's a lot of extra pressure. There's a lot of added things onto that. And you're like, well, we could talk about my finances, but this gets a little bit harder and it's not going to be quite as fun because this one's going to be hard. And I got a lot of stuff in my house. And your whole soul begins to bend almost to the point of breaking. And it's incredibly difficult to grow. And you think, I'm feeling not so good now. And if we're getting honest and personal, I work full time, I go to school and I have a family. And you think, okay, let's just get down to my time. (laughs) It's just incredibly heavy. And I think, why did I pick such a heavy rock? But you're like, you know, my soul's there. It's, It's fine. It's growing. But, you know, we got to talk about my time. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, wait. <sighs> well, I mean, technically my soul's still there, right? It's got a lot of pressure on it. And there's a lot of things choking it to the point where I don't know how I'm doing anymore. And Jesus speaks to people like this. He actually calls out the Pharisees at this point. In Matthew, moving on into, into, into chapter 23, 27, it says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you're like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but on the inside you're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. So you, too, outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Oftentimes, our souls, our inner lives, the things which exist over and beyond and above us, the part of us which is connecting to God is being choked out and being suffocated and crowded. And you're providing for yourself a very difficult way to grow and live. Because your soul is there, absolutely. You're not going to destroy your soul. Only God has our souls. But we, we provide an environment that is incredibly harsh. So, praise God for Calvary Church because we've been going through for the last month on how to simplify and how to remove the stone of time and say, wow, I really chose a really heavy rock. (laughs) And we move on, right? And we said, we remove this. And we remove all these rocks to a point again where our soul exists like this. Cleared, free, I'm so glad you survived that little plant. Uh, And you're here and you're living. And you think to yourself, we made it. We're done. (laughs) Right? Simplify series over. I'm the best Christian ever now, right? (laughs) Well, there's more. We need to start tending to this. And if you want to learn more about this clearing process, this taking care of process, Again, go to the bookstore and pick up this book. It's called Soul Keeping by Ortberg. It will talk to you and walk you through the process of clearing your soul and taking care of it. It uses the example of a stream. I used a plant, but I encourage you to pick that up as well. Like we looked at, and we move on. At this point, we we think to ourselves, okay, well, we're done almost 
At this point, we must now look at how we can grow and we can truly simplify our souls. Because it's not enough just to admit that we have a soul. Yes, great, we do. Wonderful. And it's not enough just to clear the things which are blocking and impeding our ability to grow in God. We must then at this point do soul work, right? And let me point you to two passages of scripture. Go to John 15, 5. Obviously, hopefully you have this highlighted in your Bible or it's something that you can bring to memory. Because in John 15, 5, we get a picture of what God wants us to start to do once we are free and clear of these things, right? Once we have, we have given these things over to the Lord and the Lord has helped us remove these things which are blocking our soul's ability to connect with him and our spirit's Ability to be in relationship with him. It says this in John 15, 5. That I am the vine, speaking of Jesus. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus gives us a picture. And this is where, you know what? If, if you are very cut and dry, non-emotional, uh, I mean, I'm kind of like this, very black and white, just I like to think a lot and only be stuck in my head. Well, it's going to get weird (laughs) because this is where God starts to speak about being a vine and we are branches and we are connected in him. This is where our spirit and our soul is going to be reordered by God, reordered by Christ. And we are going to start to feel emotions. We are start to, going to start to feel a love for God. A redirection in our hearts and in our wills to do the things of God. And we are going to spend time with him. Pray with the Lord. And have an inner life which is full and blooming and bearing fruit in the Lord. This is, a, this is at this point the mysterious connection to God. That our spirit is elevated in a way. To be in relationship with his. There's no one, two, three step how to do this. There just isn't. It begins the lifelong, mysterious growth in Christ. Where when we are free and clear, when we realize that our spirit is in tune with him, we start to grow. Let me give you a few practical things. So it starts to look like what we see in Hebrews, in Hebrews 12, which we've been looking at throughout this whole series. It says this, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witness surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangled us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. A soul which is in tune to the Lord, which is in harmony with his will and growing in him, you start to do the things that Christ would do. You start to do the things of the kingdom of God here on earth now because what is being formed in you and what is growing in you is Christ. The image of Christ begins to grow in you. It starts with recognizing that you are more than just your body. It, begin, it continues with removing these things out of our life and it then, then continues on really forever with abiding in Christ, in connection with him, and seeing the image and the life and the ethics and the morality and the way that Christ would live start to be formed in your life. And at this point, let me give you one more practical tool. In the bookstore again, can you tell that I want you to go to the bookstore today? In the bookstore again, there, there is something that I want to give for you because I, I, at this point, I hear what I'm saying to you 
And I realize that there are practical steps that we've gone through in the Simplify series of removing these things out of your life. And I can see that you see, hopefully, that you are a soul. But this growth in him is, is hard to understand. It's a mysterious thing. Well, let me give you uh, something that you can practice, very real in your life. This is called the Prayer of Recollection out of Colossians. It's from Dr. John Coe from Talbot Seminary. And what it is, is it's a prayer that you can pray every morning, every night, every day, whenever it is, that will recollect you, that will show you who your true self is and the reality of who you are in Christ. Let me even just read some of its purposes. It says, to rouse the soul and to prepare to meet with God in truth, to put away falsehood and awaken our true identity in union with Christ by the Spirit. And then what it is, is it's uh, five steps that you can read, and then there's prayers that you could pray through them. The first prayer is, Lord, I am here. I present myself to you. I open my heart to the truth of what is going on in my life. And as you read through this, and as you pray through this, you'll be instructed to see yourself as a child of God and to lean into your new identity as Christ. You will be challenged then as you go through your days to lean in and practice the things that Christ practiced, to live a life of generosity with your time, with your finances, with the things that you have. You will begin to see your life become more like Christ. The more we pay attention to removing the stones that are so blocking us, and we lean in to the reality that we are united with each other, and sanctified by Christ, we start to see him in us more and more. So that's our goal. That's my goal for this morning, that you would see yourself as a soul because you are a soul. That you would seek to remove what impedes your ability to connect with God so that you may simply have this connection where the mysterious life-giving love is being brought about in your life through practicing our new identity and seeing it come to fruition in our life. Does that make sense? We're all on board? Yeah, all right. Well, I'd love to hear what you have to think via you talking to the people around you. So uh, let's move forward. What we're going to do is we have an extended time of discussion today, an extended time of discussion and journaling. So you'll have about five minutes with the people around you, which will seem like a long time. I want you to discuss. Let's go back. Well, hopefully it won't seem that long, but um, let's go back over the whole series, okay? The whole month of simplification. What has been difficult with this whole thing? Maybe the Sabbath made sense to you. Maybe relationships is making sense to you, but reducing the stuff that you have or uh, making sense of your time has been real hard. Discuss with the people around you what has been difficult. And then if you can get to it, I would challenge you. How is it affecting your soul? How is it affecting your soul? So you have five minutes. Turn to the people next to you and answer that question.
I hope that you had a wonderful conversation about simplifying your lives in these areas. I also, too, that you hope that you moved on to speak about your soul a little bit. Um, I wish I could have been in all of your conversations, but I'd like for you to end now this whole, this whole month. I'd like, what are your thoughts? We've just spent a month talking about simplifying, and you've just heard a message about how simplifying is important because it affects your soul, the thing that lives forever, the thing that connects with God. So how is this affecting you? in your soul. So as we move on, we're going to journal. We again have an extended time of journaling about how you have been feeling over the past four weeks. I'd like for you to, you know, answer honestly just this question that's on the screen. At the end of this, we'll be able to come back together and celebrate, uh, hopefully, more simplified lives. And then we'll move on next week to generosity, which we have lots to talk about there. But take, again, five minutes to just process and journal about how how this whole month is gone.
right, as we move forward, I thank you for taking part in the Simplify series with us. I pray that it has brought freedom to your soul and that your soul finds rest and connection with God. As we move forward now in our service and we celebrate the fact that we are simplified, hopefully more simplified than when we started so that we may connect with God. I pray that you would feel life come into you as we go forward. We're going to receive gifts of offering at this time and we're going to sing praise songs to God. So let me pray for us and we'll move forward. Lord God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you, Lord. Thank you for Calvary Church, for the opportunity to be together for so long as a body of believers. God, I pray that you continue to bring fruit to our family. God, I pray that you bless and multiply our efforts in simplifying so that we may live out lives that are in more connection with you, Lord. We bless this offering, God. We pray that it goes to glorify you. God, we love you so much. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.